1201, and it's a Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's time for Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston with us each and every Tuesday here on Gresham Keith. Tommy is sponsored by Dr. Matthew Lopresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight, holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com. To the Harbor One hotline we go. Tommy Kern, good afternoon. How are you, friend? What's up, buddy boy? Well, we're uh, uh, trying to rationalize what in the world could be going on with this Patriots offense. Uh, It had a pulse. When they protected Mac, it was okay. Run game was a little inconsistent, but my God. The negative plays, the inefficiency on first down, and then helpless on third down. Tommy, I think we got to go back to the 90s to really think about a Patriots team that has been so helpless on third down. What did you make of the performance against the Jets? It kind of underscored to me that when we're looking for what the smoking gun evidence, where did the fire start? It really didn't start with Mac Jones. I mean, when you look at the guy was able to plant his feet go 23 for 27 for 246, taking six sacks for 48 yards and losses. Why is he taking those sacks? And why are his numbers up? Because they said, don't put the ball in harm's way. We're not good enough offensively to score. So just take the sack. Unfortunately, he wasn't even taking sacks out of volition. It got to him that quickly. He is, I, I hate to be, such an apologist. I know on the next show they call me, uh, you know, the, the law firm of, you know, the defense lawyer for Mac Jones, but <laughs> he is the least of their problems. I'm not sure he's the answer to all their problems going forward for great success, but he is not your root cause. Bigger issue right now, offensive line or the play calling? Offensive line, and I think that's by a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's not just... I mean, we still don't have clarification on why Trent Brown wasn't out there to start the game. We have speculation that maybe he was sick. Well, you should be on the injury report if you're not out there at the outset of practice on Friday as he was not, and you were ill. So that's purely speculation, and Bill Belichick hasn't really done anything to indicate that he was ill. Now, is Bill not indicating that he was ill because he doesn't want to seem as if he played around with the injury report or because he was sat down because of a litany of, you know, whether it be discipline, tardiness, whatever, disengagement. To me, that's a big problem. Your best and most dominating offensive lineman had to sit the beginning of the game for either an undisclosed illness or because he wasn't engaged. The left guard, it's not been great for Cole Strange, but it was at least better this week. Now David Andrews is down, and we know what Isaiah Wynn and Yodney Kajust have put out there for you. So, it's the offensive line to begin with, and that, again, goes back to another common denominator, and I know I'm rolling downhill here with a lot of words, but Matt Patricia's in charge of both. Right, exactly. Right. Uh, Tommy, uh, David Andrews is out there, at least for the media portion of practice. Is there a chance this guy plays? I haven't spoken directly to David. Um, you know, I know Scott Zolak, the, the uh, color individual from the other radio station, signaled that there was a possibility that might happen. We'll see. I think if if we get those kind of ominous initial reports, having him out there 
at practice to wander around as Mac did a little bit during his convalescence might make it just a ruse, but you know we'll see. Let me let me give you one other stat here. You, I put this in a story. The Patriots have had 64 drives this season get to the 50 or better. They have 186 points, so that's less than three points per drive. Per drive. They've been the and they've 25 times in the past four games they've been to the 50 or better. They have four touchdowns and 10 field goals. That's insanely yeah. inept. Yeah, no, no, I do they, all that work. I want to. I want it out there. And I'm not saying again. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is information that you looked up. You, it needs to be mentioned. But this obviously isn't the 2000 Ravens defense. I'm not suggesting it is, but it does have right. a, a similar vibe. Where if you don't get a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown, or a you know a turnover where they get give you the ball on the two yard line, feels like you're not going to score. Like it's not going to be good enough to win. And yet at the same time. Watching the Patriots Jets game on Sunday, those are two teams that at that time were both playoff teams. So the yeah. the league is in such a state now where as bad as the the Patriots offense is, the defense seems to be pretty good where they're kind of right in the middle of things and like right now they're they're kind of a playoff team which again, I think it speaks more to the state of the league than it does really to the state of the team. Yeah, and there's there's a 3,000 word story to be written on the reasons for offenses that are bad staying bad. And it would be, for instance, in the Jets case, constant churn at the quarterback position to try and find the right answer. In the Patriots situation, it's, it's an outlier. It's, they haven't got good offensive line coaching since Dante Scarnecchia left. They have not replaced sufficiently an outstanding offensive coordinator. And all you have to do is look at the, yardage and results from last year compared to this year for proof of that. And, you know, but generally speaking, offensive line play is down because teams spend less time. So there's more quarterbacks under siege. Defenses are faster. So the way to beat them isn't by chip, chip, chipping away. It's trying to throw it over their head and the Patriots can't do that right now. So it's, it's, it's a litany of reasons, but it does mean you watch a lot of difficult to swallow football, to put it nicely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy, do you think that the league's defenses have kind of readjusted and have caught up to where most of the offenses have gone? Defense looks different now. Feels like it's the interior guys and the pass rushers and then a bunch of dudes who can cover on the back end. We had a period of time where offenses were riding high is a part of this sort of what we just talked about and lumping in the Patriots and being six and four and still a playoff team. Is that because the, the, the league is shifting back again and we got to go through another offensive Renaissance? Like how, how do you view that across the board? Yeah. It's, I'm glad you asked that Phil Perry and I had a conversation about this and he brought up that he thinks Bill might've been late to the party on zagging to the spread or to the wide zone stuff that Shanahan and McVay and everyone else made in vogue. You know, the Patriots in 2018 his teams were starting to do that and get smaller at the linebacker position. They kept their fullback and the Patriots rototilled through teams and did what they did. Now, as they pivot, they jettison their fullback. They want to be tight end heavy. And they're realizing that defenses are too fast. If you don't have one dynamic player to, to attract an, an immense amount of attention, defensive ends, are unblockable, whether it's Matt Judon or, 
you know, whoever you want to mention, every team has virtually at least one of them, plus they can scheme up and loop. And they're getting smaller and faster and faster and faster. And these offenses, as we see scoring go down, the Patriots have their most success when they do what they did in 2018, when they do what they did last year, run it right at the heart of a defense and try and make safeties come up and stop your backs. Be a big team, not a finesse team. And the Patriots actually were pivoting towards finesse this year, and it hasn't worked. Now they're caught betwixt and between saying, we're still kind of a gap-running team. We're not a wide zone team. Yeah, so let's run some gap. But we don't have our fullback. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready to call this a legit defense, or is it just Zach Wilson, Sam Ellinger, Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, Jacoby Brissett, and they've been able to capitalize on bad, either backup or soon-to-be backup quarterbacks? No, it's more legitimate than the 2021 edition. That 2019 team that had a defensive MVP, excuse me, defensive player of the year at Stephon Gilmore, that was a legitimately good defense, even though it faded toward the end of that season. This one, too, I think it's legitimate because of the secondary play, the depth of the secondary play. It's not built around, you know, just a dynamic shutdown corner. Patrick Chung and, and Devin McCourty, it's built around depth and interchangeability there. Plus, I don't remember, Gresh, you talked about you have to go back to the 90s. You might have to go back to the 80s and Andre Tippett to find as dominant a singular pass rusher unleashed by the Patriots as Matt Judon has been this year. No, there's no, yeah, there. I don't think you even think it's debatable. Quite honestly, Taylor because, Jones was good, but I, I but he Judon's would hit like for a 13. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right, Tom. And they never turned him loose. No, like, not it, like this. this. He was is, they yeah. were still like two gapping at least a little bit anyway, and still having to rush the quarterback. Tommy, how do you view the Vikings? They give up sacks. They give up passing yards. Yet they got a really good record. What do you make of them? They are very much like the Patriots in a ton of ways. They give up sacks, as you pointed out. They have one dynamic player in Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook is basically a mirror image of Ramondre Stevenson. Cook is third in the NFL in yards after contact. Stevenson excels at that, too. They have two good tight ends in Hawkinson and Irv Smith, and they have a better two, most likely, in Adam Thielen, but his production's been off this year. It's it's going to be a jailbreak for the Vikings on Sunday, excuse me, Thursday. Uh, Christian Darrisaw, their left tackle, will be down, so that means the Patriots will continue to bring their pressure. And Kirk Cousins under pressure means he's going to check it down. So you're going to see probably the Patriots' defense have a good day. And then on the flip side, the Vikings are fast as hell. And the Patriots against fast defenses have really struggled. So they are uh, they have 59 tackles for loss this season. They you know, are a sideline-to-sideline pursuit team. So as much as the Patriots need to prove something, the Vikings do too. They're 8-2, and two and they have signature wins over the, the Dolphins and the Bills. But to get blasted the way they did the other day by, by Dallas, which brought heat the way the Patriots have the capability of, they're in very much the, are we really as good as our record says we are, mode. Now, I don't really count former players uh, that go on to be coaches as Bill Belichick's coaching tree. Some people do. I don't. But, you know, the coaching tree has had a good record against Bill. Uh, Mike Vrabel's had a good coaching record. Do you think the same thing will apply to Kevin O'Connell on Thursday? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I really think that 
if you look, the Patriots are six and four, seven games left. There are five on paper losses on the schedule, just objectively speaking, by record and by resume, past resume. The Bills twice, the Dolphins once, the Vikings, and Cincy, which was your AFC championship finalist. Give them a half. So there's four and a half losses. The Patriots have to flip a game. And I think this might be an outstanding chance for them to flip a game and win one you don't expect them to. I think the Patriots can go to Minnesota against a defense that's not as good as what they've seen in the last three weeks against the Jets twice and the Indianapolis Colts and flip that game. Uh, one of the big stories coming out of the weekend's game against the Jets was Zach Wilson's not only his poor performance, but then how he followed it up in the post game, and then mm. yesterday Robert Sala not committing to him. What do you think happens there? And what would you do, Tom, if you're the Jets who are six and four and kind of like the Patriots? They're like, hey, why not us as a playoff team? Number two overall pick from a year ago. He's got twenty starts under his belt. What do you think the future is for Zach Wilson for the rest of this season? Anyway, I would say it's Flacco time. Mm. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy. And I think it has more to do with him off Instead the of field. Mike White. Yeah. No, I mean, Flacco was the guy that was there for the first, what, three games of the year. Yep. So Because yeah. Wilson was hurt, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, they Wilson went with him, and then you hear about Mike White. But, I mean, doesn't it feel like that Robert Sala's trying to manage his locker room, Tom? Yeah. So go to the adult. Go to the guy who's 36, 37 years old with a litany of big game experience who shows maturity, who understands how to, even if he doesn't believe it. See, I think Zach Wilson says stuff at the podium that he doesn't understand isn't just going to be directed at the question that he doesn't like. He didn't like that question the other day, so he said no. But I think that he had already acknowledged that they weren't good enough a number of times in that press conference. But he doesn't understand that people are going to run with that. Right. You can't lose your patience. Answer it the same way every time. Starts with me. Starts with me. Starts mm-hmm. with me. Starts with me. And then move on. Put Slacko in there. Ride him. Let the kid understand this is how you behave. It's not just being you know, an arm talent situation. How you comport yourself is going to impact the rest of the locker room. Because, I mean, they're losing their rookie wide receiver over this in terms of connectedness with the quarterback. It's, mm-hmm. It looks like an AAU game out there. With that kid in charge, yeah, it's flag it's not, football. It's not great, but then again, number two pick in the draft, like you kind of. I mean, AAU basketball, like a mopey little AAU basketball kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that, he does have that. That's a uh, that's a good analogy. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy, have a great Thanksgiving. I know we'll uh, talk to you on Weei Football Sunday. Have a uh, great one. We'll talk to you soon. Fresh, we're going steaks on Thursday. Are you really? Steaks. Wow. Yeah. Turkey steaks? <laughs> we'll, just, no. we'll talk about it next week. All right. Yeah, we'll need a full what, breakdown what, on uh, that. Wait a minute. What kind here are we talking? Are we going like filet, going ribeye, going New York I'm gonna strip? Be a, I'm going to be a ribeye. I have to take the further orders from the rest of the kids. They're probably going to be New York strip. I'm going to be ribeye. Don't think, you hate uh, that? I, 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 I'm with, I cannot get my kids to buy into the ribeye at mm. all. They won't do it. Mm. It's yeah, crazy. But. And which deprives me of the question that I always want to ask is, you want your fat? (laughs) (laughs) Chris Scheim asks that every day. Uh, Tom, thank you, friend. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Yeah.